What is up, sports fans? Thanks for tuning in. My name is Fry, and I am the host of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channels. As you can clearly hear, my voice is a little bit worse for wear. On Sunday, I woke up at 2.30am to watch the Western Derby, and then I stayed awake, got a car, drove from Toronto to Cleveland to watch LeBron James play in a Game 7, and drove all the way home. I made a YouTube video, so you can check that out on the Sports by Fry channel. That was pretty dope. It was clearly the experience of a lifetime being a Cavs fan, but I'm not here today to talk about that. I'm talking all things AFL fantasy. Actually, I had an okay weekend. I scored, you know, close to 2,000. Well, closer to 2,000 than I have done the last few weeks. I still slipped a couple of thousand spots in ranking, but I've got a ton of cash saved up. and I'm pretty excited about my trades this week. Because I made the trip to Cleveland, uh, unfortunately, there was no Sunday sit-down. But Jake and I are planning on maybe doing one tomorrow or Thursday night. If not, we'll definitely be doing one next week. Uh, this week, I haven't got a hell of a lot planned. I'm going to be doing an article about LeBron James's best playoff series. Uh, not his whole playoff body of work, but just specific series. Um, so that'll probably go up tomorrow or Thursday, so you can check that out. Of course, there'll be other great content that's going up on the website, so you can look at that as well. But... Let's look at my AFL fantasy team and see how I went in round six. So like I said, I was actually reasonably happy with my score this week. I scored 1969, and as you can see, for those watching via YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, the YouTube video shows me interactively revealing my team and my scores. I've got a grand in the bank, actually 480 to be exact. My ranking's now outside the top 30,000, which isn't great, but this week's the week that I start the climb. Back one, once again, was amazing. Laird, Lloyd scored huge. Luke Ryan was fine, looked pretty good in the derby too. Sam Murray, Duday, thank you to uh, the person in the comments of the last video who finally corrected me on how to pronounce the poor man's name. He's been a star, so I should get to know his name. And of course, Finn Layson was pretty good as well with 65. Here's where it gets a bit interesting. I made Tom Mitchell my vice-captain, and he scored 147, so obviously I was a bit bummed about that. Gibbs had 100, bounced back, which was nice to see. Patrick Dangerfield was the player that I traded in for Luke Parker. Not only did Luke Parker outscore Dangerfield, but I was also considering Jackson McRae, who doubled Danger's scores. That was a bit of a kick in the guts. Danger will be better, though. I don't... <laughs> fingers crossed. Don't think he'll be playing forward all year like he has been. He might be rested soon because he seems to have a niggle. But, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to hold him. I think he's going to be fine. <clears throat> I think he's going to be fine. Uh, siding, not good enough. Lockie Neal, I called it. I told you he was going big soon, and he did. Hopefully, with, well, it's not a great thing from a free fan perspective, but with Tabernar and Walters injured, Fife might get more forward time, which might allow Neal to get some more touches. Just uh, keep that in mind for those of you thinking about trading that Fife in. My three rookies on my field were three very different stories in my mids. Tim Kelly was great. Andy Brayshaw was fine. And Nick Holman has to go this week after his 30. In my rucks, I had the C on uh, Maxi Gorn, so his 135 was absolutely amazing. Sauce Jacobs hasn't been lighting the world on fire. And to be honest, he might be a player that I look to move when his buyer comes around if there's the likes of Cruiser or Grundy more appealing. Um, but once again, if I didn't have the captain's badge on Gorn, I could have penciled the two boys in for 210 points. So 
I can't really be too mad. I know there's a lot uh, of people out there with worse Ruckman. My forward line continues to be my Achilles heel. Billings has got to go this week. Isaac Heaney was really good for me with 91, which was great to see. Christensen held his spot. Timmy English, who, like many coaches, I stupidly decided to field, uh, did not fire, so that kind of hurts. Langdon, I'm pretty sure he got injured on 33. Um, so, yeah, once again, that didn't help. But Guelphie looked great. And there's a few rookies that I'm going to talk about a bit later that are potential trade targets. So, better than that, of course, Fritch is uh, 88 on the bench. It was a massive bonus as well, and he might come onto my field this week. So, you know, overall, 1969 was my score. The year that uh, the famous man Shane Warne was born, for the record. Not a terrible score. I did go back in ranking, so hopefully this week I can tick over the 2K mark and I can stay there for a while and start, <coughs> start my climb back up the rankings. So overall, it wasn't a terrible round, but I definitely need to make some smart moves in the next few weeks, which I'll talk about in a minute. First, I'm going to give some plus threes and negative threes out. First plus three goes out to Jackson McRae. Boy, is he having a year. 145 from the Bulldogs gun midfielder. He's honestly just cementing himself a spot in the plus threes every fortnight. He looks invincible. He is understandably a popular trade target this week, and he's definitely on my radar. The next man up is Lockie Whitfield. Thank God he finally scored something decent. For those owners who held him after his three scores of 60, you were pleasantly rewarded with a nice 120-plus. Now that he's got dual positioning, he's definitely an option in the back line. Someone that I might consider getting in the, you know, latter half of the year, probably post-buy, just because my defence is pretty slocked in right now. If you don't have a uh, concrete defence, though, look at Lockie Whitfield as a, a trade target. Last, but certainly not least in the plus threes, was Adam Trelaw. He's been huge in the last few weeks. I'm pretty sure he's averaging 135-plus in his last three. Um, he's rewarding all those guys that held on to him after his terrible start. Had 147 on the weekend, and to be honest... He's one of the form players of the competition right now. So along with Jackson McRae, he's definitely a target uh, in your midfield if you want a guy that's going to be scoring huge numbers. Negative threes, I touched earlier on Dangerfield. Seven years not good enough, especially from someone of Dangerfield's class. He's averaging under 100 now for the season. So I know as an owner, and I speak probably on the behalf of the AFL fantasy community, that we would like to see Dangerfield scoring a bit more. So fingers crossed he can find his feet, but yeah... He, it's weird, he's playing forward a bit, he seems like he's hurt. I don't really know what the solution is, but he needs to find it, quick. Next up is the mercurial Cade Simpson, who continues to ping-pong his way between the plus threes and the negative threes on a weekly basis. There's no middle ground here. The score's 60 or 130, I don't understand. It's so annoying. I don't have him. I was definitely looking at getting him early on, and I'm glad I didn't, even though I guess if you take a 60 and a 130 and average it out, you know, you'd want a player scoring those numbers, but I, I couldn't do it. We need to see a little bit of consistency before you look at Kate Simpson as a trade target. Last but not least is uh, Luke Parker, who his 80 was not good enough. Luckily, I was able to trade him out last week. Unfortunately, it was for danger over McRae, but let's not talk about that anymore. I know a lot of people will be jumping off the Luke Parker bandwagon. He might be the, uh, the player that, burns us all in the second half of the year, goes 110 plus, but I don't care. I do not want him in my team, and I know right now a lot of other people do not as well. So, sorry Luke Parker, it might be time to go after another terrible score. 
Some quick fire trade thoughts. Zach Merritt is a fantastic trade-in target this week. If you are looking for a midfielder to upgrade one of your cash cows and you've got a lot of bank or a lot of coin or a lot of a worn chest or whatever the hell you want to call it, throw it on top of a rookie to get Zach Merritt. He's back to his best. Robbie Gray is another player you should definitely look at. Don't be too concerned about him playing forward or his buys. He's probably going to be the best scoring forward this year, so I will be getting him this week, probably, and you should too if you do not own him. Brett Deledio has had a pretty amazing fortnight, but I can't pull the trigger. I don't have enough balls to do it. If you do and he fires, kudos, but he's someone that you should keep an eye on, but we need to see a little bit more before I advance uh, on the potential Deledio move. Three decent rookies made their debut on the weekend and they all look pretty impressive. Kobe Much for the uh, Bombers looked pretty good. Ben Ronke for the Swans, he looked outstanding actually. If uh, Dan Hanabry and Lance Franklin don't get up, then he should probably hold his spot. You never know with Horse Longmire though. And finally, Charlie Spargo, who costs a little bit more, but obviously had another great game as well. That is why I'm mentioning him as a potential trade target. All three of those guys scored in the 70s. If they hold their spot, they're a fantastic downgrade target, especially for someone you're trying to get rid of with the likes of Zach Guthrie, Nick Holman, Tim English, whatever. Speaking of those guys, they do lead some of the traded out players this week. So Nick Holman only had 30 on the weekend and his break even is getting pretty close to his average, if not exceeded it. So I will be getting rid of him this week and uh, it's probably time for him to go. Timmy English, I don't think needs to be traded, but he's on thin ice. If we have another terrible score, he could get dropped and uh, rough end or someone could come in. So just be wary. Don't be uh, doing something stupid like I did, putting him in your forward line if you've got him on your ruck bench still, because uh, yeah, he hasn't been great. Nick Caulfield had a miserable 21 points on the weekend. He should be fine. I wouldn't be trading him out and panicking too much, unless he has another terrible score. And Don Barry was another one who's just got to go. He hasn't been scoring great. He's been bouncing between the twos in the league. If you do have him still on your bench, he's a fantastic person to offload and maybe get someone like Kobe Much or whoever else you can find in your midfield. There were a couple of underperforming premiums who I've kind of mentioned as trade-out targets. I tend to like to hold premiums, but there is one guy who has to go this week. I swear to God I've said like five people have to go, but this player, this is the final straw. Jack Billings, you have been evicted from the large fries and coke. And I know there will be thousands of other coaches out there who will put this down as a failed experiment and happily see him out of the door. Looking ahead to round seven, and there's a lot of big names under injury clouds. The likes of Rory Sloan, Josh Kelly, Matty Cruiser, Gary Ablett, Trent Cotchin, Christian Petraka. The list goes on. All of those guys are, oh, actually Brody Grundy as well, apparently he's going to pass a fitness test, but by the time this video is uploaded, it's currently Tuesday evening in Toronto, so it's Wednesday morning back home, so some information will probably come out today about the availability of those guys, but stay glued to the team sheets to see if any of them are included or omitted. Toby Green and Mickey Walters suffered injuries on the weekend, so they're facing a little bit of a stint on the sideline. I think Green's injury is worse than Walters, but... If you go get rid of one of them, I suggest going straight to Robbie Gray in your forward line. There's no real relevant match review panel news. A couple of fines for melees around the league, but Lewenberger and Nick Robertson, not Robin, Robertson from the Lions are the only two guys who are facing some time on the sideline. So unless you have the burger in ruck uh, for one of your draft leagues, I wouldn't be stressing. 
Finally, my trades. I'm a little bit uh, stuck. I can't decide whether I want to get some guys and get the points or do an upgrade, downgrade and keep a big bank. I think I need the points though. I've been talking about building up some worn chest or some savings recently, but it's time for me to go. So I think at this stage, I'm either going to get Nick Holman and Jack Billings out for Merritt and Gray, or I might go Nick Holman straight to McRae, Billings down to someone, a rookie, and then play Fritch on the field. I know it's less than ideal, and long-term, it's probably not the smartest choice, but that would give me a load of money to then throw into someone next week as well. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports by Fry AFL Fantasy Wrap-Up from Round 6. Um, I've got, got an AFL article in the works. I think I mentioned it in last week's video. I can't really remember if I've talked about it or not. My brain's still a little bit fried from the weekend. Um, but I will have a LeBron article out in the next couple of days. This AFL article will probably come out following that. And then, of course, the weekend I'll resume uh, normality and hopefully... This round wrap-up uh, for round seven will be up Monday morning Australian time. So happy trading. Good luck for round seven. And until next time, peace.